All right. That's great worship today. I want to come back to some of that lyric here in a minute. We are, um, I hope that what we just sang is, uh, is becoming more real to you. That, just singing about the Holy Spirit and thinking about the Holy Spirit for a lot of us growing up, you know, uh, in, in a Baptist background or Methodist background, you know, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and, uh, I heard, uh, well, I actually read uh, this article uh, that A.W. Tozer wrote a while back about how, uh, in relation to the Holy Spirit, we're, we're like, um, like his dad growing up. He said that they, they had corn, raised corn, and uh, they would take a, a crow and kill a crow. And he says, I know it sounds crude, he said, but we'd kill, kill a crow or two and then hang them by their feet in the field. And he said it was, it was like the crows, and he said the crows quit coming around. He says like the crows got together in a little convention and said, you know, the corn's good over there, but there's some dead crows hanging by their feet, so we might want to stay away from that cornfield. And he described that as, a, as what happens with us. You know, we have a, uh, in a lot of us in our churches, in our uh, growing up churches, we had a few crazies that took what they called the Holy Spirit and all these different weird manifestations of whatever it was, emotion or uh, just searching for something. And, and it was, it was, it, it caused us, who, those of us who were thinking people and not all that emotional to kind of run in the opposite direction. Just said, whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit's there, stay away from it, right? If the Holy Spirit, I mean, don't go there. And so a lot of us have had that kind of experience. I, I love uh, what Francis Chan did in his book forgotten god he talks about the holy spirit he talks about it from my perspective and how i grew up and helped me to begin to embrace again the 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 holy spirit and his place in my life and in the church and that's what we're doing right now that's what that's what our goal is i mean ultimately we have connected with the disciples particularly philip who said you know uh show us the father and it will be enough and and Jesus rebukes him and says, are you serious right now? You know, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know the Father. How long am I going to be with you and you don't recognize who I am? And that we've done that also with the Holy Spirit. You know, he lives inside of us. We are, of all people, and most of us for many years, have had the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we still don't know who God is. We, we misrepresent him in, the, in, uh, in our lives and the way that we talk to people. We, we present him as a harsh judge who despises people who, live, who have sin instead of a, a God who comes and says, uh, Jesus says, I, I come uh, not to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. We don't present God to the world as a savior, but as a, as a judge and a, and a condemner of, of sinners. We don't present God to the world in a way that presents the depths of his love in that while we were sinning against him, the Bible says, Christ died for us. We don't present him that way. Most of us have spent our lives presenting him as, as a judge. And we don't, we don't do that intentionally, really. We've all kind of grown up in this thing where we, you know, we are expecting that we're going to gain something from God by being good, and so we expect that from everybody else. And if they don't believe the same way we believe or have the same uh, practices or live their lives the same way that we live our lives, then, then, we don't, then we've got issues with them because we're threatened by it, and we have fear tied to it. And so, man, it's so good. I hope you guys are really beginning to understand and embrace the Holy Spirit and his work uh, and who he is, who he's revealed to be as he as we've just looked at his interactions with people in the Gospels. And, and I hope that really legitimately today you, you've been able to say from your hearts, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You know, fill this place. Flood this atmosphere. You know, take, take my life. I, I, I am finding God personally to be more and more each day, more and more attractive. You know, I want to climb up in his lap. I want to, I want to be, I want to be held by him. I legitimately, I know it's not physically possible, but I, I, I like that picture and that's it, what I feel. And so my, I found myself today as we worship and sang that song and others this morning, I found myself so much more attracted to the Holy Spirit 
And I hope you're finding, you're finding that to be true for yourself as well. Because you have tasted and seen the sweetest of loves. You are seeing that and experiencing that and hopefully embracing that. And so today I hope you would pray with me uh, exactly what we're saying. Come, flood this place. Fill my life. Flood my life. Give me more understanding of who you are. Help me to understand the depths of your person. And so we've looked at so much, man. At some point, I'm probably going to go back and give you the scriptures and at least the main points of the messages so, so we can reflect on these things as we begin to be deceived by the enemy to believe that God is not all the things that we've, we have studied him to be. It's so easy for us to forget because we have an enemy who is at work and he is trying to, to keep us bound in this, this false perception of who God is. And he is the one we're going to talk about today. And I've told people all week long, <clears throat> y'all need to come to the gathering place this week because we're going to be casting out demons. <clears throat> we're really just going to be talking about how Jesus did it. <clears throat> but if you need one, cast out. We got that power, hopefully somewhere. Uh, and Jesus is here with us. Hopefully he is. Uh, but we're going to talk about Jesus casting a demon out of a man in the synagogue. Great story. And I think some great truths for us. And we're going to make, easily make application to our lives, whether we are possessed by demons, which I don't think anybody in here is, but we might find out. Uh, but we are going to talk about how all of us are affected by demonic forces in the demonic realm. Not in detail about that, because we're going to, again, we're not looking at a study or a doctrine of demonology. Uh, you know, or, or, what we're looking at is how does, what does Jesus do? When there are demons around, you know, when he encounters uh, this demon or uh, experiences this in the synagogue, what does he do with that? And what kind of truths can we draw from that about who he is and who we are and, and, and how does that affect our lives? So that's what we're looking at today in Luke chapter 4. It's the next story. Do you remember Jesus is in Capernaum? Last week we looked at his message about uh, it just he preached, and he preaches one having authority, and how that was different than the scribes described as he preached as one having authority or possessing authority, not like the scribes of his day. So he didn't just preach to try and maintain uh, religious uh, tradition or try and maintain uh, a, a particular rabbi's way of thinking. He didn't worry about passing that on to uh, to people, to gather people around him, to, to give them his perception of what Scripture really meant. He spoke truth, and it affected everybody in the room. And it was powerful because the Holy Spirit was communicating to Jesus what to say, and there were no wasted words. Think about that. If every word I said was exactly what God had me to say, which I, uh, certainly is my goal, but I know that I, it isn't happening. But that moment, that those little moments every now and then when we have these epiphanies and we think, wow, that was God speaking something into my life, dealing with something I am dealing with right now. Imagine that happening for everybody in the whole synagogue. And they're all looking at each other like, what just happened? Because we're used to hearing people stand up and, and try to impress us with themselves so they can maintain their position, their status, and their income. And, and, and this man speaks as one having authority, possessing a God-given authority that's different than the rest of these guys. I, I appreciate the fact that uh, Aaron last week, because he's been out for a while, um, you know, been, been sick and near death and, you know, resurrected here today. Uh, you know, that he said, he, he spoke about, about my preaching last week. And I don't notice anything different about my preaching, but, but he's been out and he came back in and I thought, man, what a, that was a, it really strengthened me personally for him to say that he felt like there was more power and, and I was different in my preaching. He couldn't really necessarily describe it all, but I really believe that's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, as, as I'm embracing more of the Holy Spirit and his voice for our people, for you guys, that it's more powerful because the Holy Spirit is speaking and it's not that I'm changing the way I speak. It's that there's something going on inside of me. And, and it's God's power beginning to take over, I believe, and speaking for me. Maybe a few more words than, than he did in the past. And so I, that's, I hope that that continues to happen. Uh, but we're looking at Jesus today and this encounter. So after he speaks, 
right on the heels. We ended up with verse 32 last week where it talked about the fact that people were astonished that he spoke as one who possessed authority. So we'll pick up in verse 33 of Luke 4 and see what else happens in the synagogue. So verse 33, and in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of them, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out to every place in the surrounding region. Let me make one thing clear before we move into this message today. No power of hell or scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand. No power of hell can pluck you out of God's hand. One thing we need to know from the onset of this message before we even get into it is that when God has you, God has you. You have no reason to fear demonic powers. Satan himself cannot touch you uh, outside of God's allowing him to touch you in whatever ways that he will, will enhance your life and redeem some area or aspect of your life. Let's get that clear before we start today. We're not, we're not scared of demons. Not as God's kids. Yeah, you know, God has absolute authority, and you'll see it in this message. He has absolute authority over demonic powers and forces. And so we're going to talk about that today. But I, I love that song this morning, and it just man, it resonated with me after this week of study that there's no power of hell, our scheme of man, that can pluck you from God's hands. You know, the Israelite people were scared of both. They were scared of demonic forces, and they were also scared of the religious leaders. And, 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 there, and what they said was true or not true, and, and, and how they, uh, if we didn't follow what they said, that we may, may or may not have a relationship with God. So let's look at this, at this story. First of all, there was an, a man with an unclean demon in the synagogue. There was, a, there was a man with an unclean demon in the synagogue. How long have demons sat among God's people? In some cases, unnoticed. You know, I, I thought of this illustration and did just a little bit of research because I've always heard that, <clears throat> you know, in regard to staph infection, it's, it's, a, it's a real common thing now for people to get staph uh, infections while they're in the hospital. Uh, you know, that, that's, it's, it's rampant right now for whatever reason. There's been this rise of that. And when staph gets in your blood and you get septic, you go where, where Aaron's been. You know, where it's, uh, a lot of times people don't recover from that. Organs begin to shut down. It gets in your blood and everything begins to, to be affected by it. But I've always heard and checked this this past week that, that a lot of people just have staph on their skin all the time. That that, that particular uh, germ is on the body all the time. And I heard that, but I didn't, I never checked it. But it's true that there are a lot of people that have staph that's on your skin all the time. What happens is if you get a cut, then the staph gets into your blood. And if, and there are obviously, and then there was also a whole list of things that you could do to prevent, uh, preventative measures that you could take. You know, one is that, you know, certain people are kind of like, uh, they are carriers of staff, and staff can be passed from one person to the other uh, through things like uh, just uh, showering in the same shower, um, or, or have them having an open wound and being in a you know in a whirlpool, and you can catch it that way. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that you can do just by avoiding people who carry it. But then also, if you have it on your body and you don't know about it, uh, there's there's a, a when the wound. Uh, if you get cut in a place where staff is and it gets into your blood, you got it. So I thought about that because here's the, here's the picture that is painted, I believe, in this story. Is there were demons in the synagogue. There were demons in God's house. And, and we are, listen, 
we don't come here as a sanctuary. We don't come into this building, and it is a sanctuary against demons being here. God has given Satan this realm of the earth to, to, to reign over. He is the prince of the power of the air, according to Scripture. He is given, given freedom to work and to move in, in this world. He is pres- his demons are present here today in this service. It's not, you know, I wanted to just go and say, well, you know, those, those Israelites, man, they didn't even know it, and that place was filled, filled up with demons. They all had demons in them. No, demons are here right now. And, and I think the, the application for you in this message today is for you to recognize the fact that demons are present. Now, it doesn't mean that they possess you, and it doesn't mean that they have in any way the power above your own desire to move and work in your life. It's like a cut, though. If you allow uh, th- that cut to, to uh, if you get cut here today and you choose to make a decision to allow that demon to work and to move in your life by choosing, for instance, to be distracted or choosing, for instance, to, to just let your mind wander, and, and missing an opportunity for God to do something preventative in your life to stop some kind of tragedy or hurt from coming into your life. Or if you, if you choose not to listen and to apply what you hear, uh, the, the demons obviously, the demonic forces are all against what God wants to do in your life. Because God's plan for you is to give you life that's more abundant than what you're experiencing now. God's plan for you is to, to bless you, not to curse you. To, to give you an intimate relationship with him, to, to get you over, the, over that line that some of you feel like you'll never cross of, of developing intimacy with God. And that you, you feel like God is still so far away, he's still a concept. Maybe you understand him intellectually, but that you can't cross that line, and God is trying to bring you there. But there are forces here at work. And, and some of you are making choices, and it's just like saying, oh, there's staff on my skin, and you're cutting yourself. You're, you're, you're intentionally not moving with God in the directions that we'd have you to go. And you're listening to that little voice that's constantly speaking to you to say, oh, it's okay to continue to remain where you are or whatever it is. Or, or you know, God doesn't have your best interest in mind. Or keep being really, really spiritual and try real hard instead of just releasing yourself to love God and to be loved by God. All those things are, are for us, I think, a good uh, example of, of this idea of staph infection that gets in your body and takes over. And so how long had those demons sat among God's people unnoticed? They were having their way in God's life, uh, or in, the, in their lives, in uh, the lives of God's chosen people. And I think the biggest problem that existed in their day, and the reason why they were so astonished with Jesus' teaching, and the reason why Jesus' teaching caused these demons to rise up is because they had never heard. They hadn't been hearing any kind of spirit-filled speaking. They had no message that, that possessed spiritual authority. All their teachers were, were way off in their teaching. There was no teaching that possessed God's power, the authority of the God of the universe. And so here he, here he is, Jesus speaks, and all of a sudden uh, this issue rises, and we begin to see that there is not one but many demons, because when that demon came out, he also said, he uses the term us, he uses plural language and says, will you destroy us? He begins to ask questions. And so here's, here's a couple of things I wanted to say about that. First of all, demons can take up comfortable, comfortable residence in a place where the Spirit is not allowed to speak. Y'all with me? Everybody alert? (laughs) I believe when the Spirit is not allowed to speak through me, for instance, on a Sunday morning, if I'm not allowing the Spirit to have His way, but I'm determined that I'm going to be somebody and present a message in a specific way, make my points and make them rhyme and have my poems, you know, or whatever, follow the form that I teach in, in, in college, in preaching. You know, am, am I going to follow that? And, and when I'm so concerned about uh, 
the people who, who understand theology, who are out in the congregation to make sure I, I make my points correctly and, and whatever it is, that I get distracted by that instead of allowing the Spirit to speak what he wants to speak. I believe it's easy for demonic forces to get comfortable in our congregation and have their way. And you guys never notice it. It's just unnoticed that, that, that they're having their way in a congregation. I believe it has happened uh, for probably most of us in our church experience that some, at some point you can look back and say, you know, I sat in a church where we, I never sensed the Spirit's power moving and speaking like I do now. Now, part of the problem was you, but part of the problem was also probably that your pastor was like I was and that I was trying to be somebody and, and trying to follow some formula and trying to impress a congregation and keep a job or whatever it was that I had to do in order to preach the way I preached, and there was no power. It was not the Spirit's words. And occasionally the Spirit would break through with one little sentence that might touch someone's life. But there's a lot of, of speaking that was not Spirit-filled. And demons can take up comfortable residence in any place where the Spirit is not allowed to speak. Now, obviously, in the life that doesn't give credence to Jesus Christ and chooses to live in denial of who he is, you know, that's true. Uh, he, he is taking up residence in, a, in the life of a person who refuses to accept who Jesus is as truth, but also in the life of a person who attempts to re- reduce God to just black words on white paper with the title, The Bible, on the front cover. You know, those, those of you who are still trying to reduce God just to, to words on a page, like we talked about last week, words and doctrines of men that possess only the power of men and not the power of the Holy Spirit. We're also guilty of just getting comfortable and, and allowing demonic forces to take up comfortable residence in our lives. Isn't it ironic that we can spend our lives studying the Word of God and have a terminal degree from a seminary and still not possess any power of the Holy Spirit when we preach? We can, we can learn how to be. I have a, have a good friend who's, whose uh, father-in-law was a famous, he's a famous, by the way, this good friend of mine is also, uh, I, can't, I don't want to say who he is, but he is uh, in a position of authority in Southern Baptist life. But his father-in-law was one of the most famous preachers uh, that has ever lived, and people know him. And, and he fell and quit preaching and went into motivational speaking. And, and he sounded exactly the same when he was doing motivational speaking as he did when he was preaching. That tells me something, right? If I can be a good motivational speaker, but, and it sounds the same as when I'm preaching, there's something not right. That's not the power of God. That's the power of man. That's the ability to persuade people. That's using good technique and good principles, speaking principles. But when the power of God takes over and comes in and moves, then it's different. Words and doctrines, though, for us can be a distraction. But it's seen in this passage, even in the church where the Holy Spirit is not allowed to possess the pulpit, demons can, can find themselves comfortable setting up here. And so if you want to this morning, just visualize the empty seats today as being filled with demonic forces sitting around asking questions. I don't know how many of you have ever read um, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, but if you haven't, read it. It is, it, it is, I believe, one of the most realistic pictures of what goes on around us all the time of demonic forces, demons talking to each other, and older demons and more experienced demons, probably not because they've been around I don't know, I guess forever, uh, created by God apparently at some point, fell from heaven, cast out. But they've been around a lot longer than we have. They have a lot of knowledge, sitting around talking about how can we distract them? How can we get them off? How can we get them not to obey the Father, their Father? So even in the church, the Holy Spirit is not allowed access sometimes to the pulpit. Pray for me. That, that won't be true here. Ma'am, it's my goal that you guys would hear nothing but the Holy Spirit on Sundays. And, and that I would do my part by communicating only his words to you, but you would do your part by keeping your spirit open to what, the, what God wants to say to you and asking questions and coming in prepared. And, and, and you know, whatever, whatever you need to do to be open on Sunday morning is to work hard and, and to not miss this. 
opportunity, but also in your own quiet times. Anytime you open the word of God, the Holy Spirit's ready to move. And any time, any moment in your life where you're open to hear him, he's ready to speak. Another thing I noticed is the authoritative, the authoritative words of Jesus not only drew a response from the people. You know, we, saw, we looked at last week at how they were astonished at what he said, but the demon cries out with a loud voice in response to this God-filled, authoritative preaching that they just heard. In verse 34, it says, Ha, what do, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What is this to you and to us? The demon says, basically, it's obvious that you are God's son. So is it your intent to, in your, in your preaching, is it your intent to just preach? Or are you going to do to us what the Father did to our Father? Are you planning on casting us out, destroying us? Because we're going to continue our mission here if you're not going to mess with us. We're going to continue to blind the eyes of the people to who you really are. I love their response to Jesus. Look, they know who Jesus is. The people in the, in the, in the synagogue are just beginning to discover, some of them who are open are just beginning to discover who Jesus is. The religious leaders don't know who he is. They think he is a fraud. They, they are ready to crucify him and ultimately will. That's their response to, to Jesus' teaching with authority. But the demons, they know who he is. James talks about this in his epistle in, in chapter 2, verse 19. He talks about the fact that he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Listen, when Jesus is in this building and, his, and the Holy Spirit is moving and working in this place and, and God is empowering my words and giving me words for you, I have no idea what you're going through or what God wants to speak to you, most of you, unless you've spoken to me about some issue in your life. But when I'm speaking from the pulpit and the Holy Spirit begins to speak, don't be confused. The demons know that he's here. They know that he's speaking. They know that his, they know his words when I speak him. They know when he speaks and when, it's, when I speak. And when he speaks, the demons are trying to get you distracted. When I speak, they want you to hear what I have to say. Yeah, they're fine with you listening to me. They don't want you to listen to him. When the, when the authoritative power of God is behind the words that I speak, there's life-changing power there. There is abundant life that will be the fruit of those words if you will apply them. And so the t- here's, here's the hard part for you as, as members of the congregation. The hard part for you is to not be distracted when you're distracted. <laughs> and there's an amen from God right there. <laughs> it had to be an amen from God. It couldn't be a distraction from the devil because the devil can't control thunder. But listen, you hear what I'm saying? The hard part for you is to not be distracted when you're distracted. What's the solution to that? Because you're distracted when you're distracted. You know, when you're listening, that's, that's, it can be good if you're, if you're hearing the Spirit speak. But the tendency is that, that you're not going to have anybody fighting you whenever I'm saying something that makes me feel good about myself. When I'm saying something to impress you with me. When I'm being clever or, you know, cool or whatever. Why y'all laughing? I am cool. See, like that statement? You heard that. Yeah. But, what, but the, the things that are going to be life to you, the things that are going to get into your heart and change your life, I promise you, the enemy knows those things. He knows who God is, and he recognizes God's words from my words, and he recognizes a good podcast from a good podcast, or a good podcast from a God podcast. He knows a good Bible study from a God Bible study. He knows a good teaching from a God teaching, and he wants you to be listening to good teachings and good podcasts and good people and good preachers. He wants you to listen to that. Y'all with me? But he doesn't want you to hear God's words, and he knows the difference. He's so much better. This, those demons in here, they're so much better than we are at hearing what makes a difference. And so they shout out whenever they hear what Jesus says. 
they know who he is. When Jesus is in the building, demons also know that they are subject to whatever he desires to do. Let me make that clear. Okay, because some of you might feel defeated about, oh, man, I am. I'm totally distracted. I'm always distracted. I want you to know this, that when Jesus is in the room, and he is, by the way, present today in your hearts and in, man- man- in some extra manifestation because the Scripture is very clear that when two or more gather together, there I am in their midst. And if he's inside of us, we know that that's one thing. But if he says there's anytime he talks about more people gathered together, there seems to be some kind of a spe- special manifestation of the Spirit. It's obviously not in my speech because I can't say words. But Jesus, when Jesus is in the building, demons know that they're subject to whatever he says. And so they've taken notice, and they're waiting for his instruction. They identify him as God's, as God's son, and they're waiting for his instruction, knowing that whatever he says, we've got to do. And I want you to know that that's true about Jesus and demonic powers. That the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you has to give permission to a demon to do whatever he wants to do in your life. So, first of all, they're not going to do to you what God doesn't allow them to do. The demons are here today. They're in our congregation. I hope some of them get saved today. They're here in the gospel. (laughs) They're here today. I know they are, and you need to know they are, but you need to also know that they are subject to Christ. And and when, when the word is being spoken and God's spirit is speaking to your life and God's words that have been empowered and given to me by the Holy Spirit to speak to you, when you hear those words, the power to change your life has already, is already out there. And all you need to do is respond to it in obedience. And when you obey what you hear, your life is going to be transformed. Because God has power over the enemy. Now, let's not forget the purpose of our study. There's a man here who's having an encounter with Jesus, and we're about to see the character of Jesus in their interaction. There's the possibility that, again, the man came to the synagogue also knowing that Jesus was going to be there and knowing the kind of power that Jesus possessed. And, and again, it wasn't hidden from him because the demons also knew. So he shows up to the synagogue, probably hoping that he would be freed up from this demon. And here's what he knew. He could trust that Jesus would remove, first of all, the demon. He could trust that, that Jesus would remove the demon. If, it, if, it, if he didn't want it and the demon was present in his life, he could trust that Jesus would remove the demon. And here, here's what I want to say to you guys. Again, we live so much of us, so many of us live in defeat. We live in defeat in our lives because we think we can't get control over sin in our lives, over our habitual sins or whatever problems we're facing. We feel like there's no way we can get control over that. You have the power living inside of you. How long is Jesus going to live in you and you're not going to realize that you already have the power to overcome those demonic forces? All you need to do is ask God and realize that one of the things we learn about Jesus' character in this story is that he will absolutely remove that force from you. He will remove it from you, give you victory over that. But we live defeated lives because Satan constantly tells us you're not going to get victory. But one thing we notice also about this, this guy, as opposed to all the other people who had demons in them or around them, is that this guy made a choice. Jesus was not going to force him to release the demon or force the demon to come out because unless the man desired it how do we know that that's true because we know that there were many demons there were many demons in that place possessing many people this demon said what are you going to do with us he is he is talking plural there's demons uh, throughout the synagogue possessing people But how many does Jesus cast out? One. There's one person ready to employ the power of Jesus that day and cry out 
uh, you know, to be freed from the demon. And so Jesus sees that and releases this man from that demon or causes the demon to come out. What I want to say to you guys today regarding that is it's up to you. You know, here's what I know. This is a nice, uh, uh, sweet little Sunday. We come for our Sunday thing that we do. It's awesome. It it has so much potential to be life-changing for each one of us. I'm not responsible for that. The Holy Spirit is. He's speaking now. You're hearing what he's saying. But it's so easy to just walk out and forget or walk out and not employ what the Holy Spirit has already spoken for you to do, not to to, uh, allow that power that God is giving you over that demonic force in your life to, to take operation in your life. So you're going to walk out of here continuing to be fearful, anxious, uh, works-based, uh, you know, prideful, boastful, arrogant, worried. All those things, all those sins that, that are not a part of a life of a believer who is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless you choose today to allow God to do his work in your life. You need to choose it. So there's a combination of the will of man to be free from that and the power of God to release him from it. Again, it sits on your skin. It's resting on your skin right now and and if you allow the enemy, he will cut you in that place and infect you to a deeper level with the sin that's in your life. And allow it to have its full effect in affecting your whole life and, and affecting the way that you work and move and give you the, the natural consequences of sin in your life. Or you can trust God to remove that from your life and believe that what he has for you is better than what you're experiencing now. I promise you, wherever you allow God to, whatever you allow God to remove from your life that you're so convinced is making your life worth living, you will never lose, you will never miss it. Once it's gone, you'll never miss it. God's life for you is so much better. But you've got to do that for yourself. And where men will allow themselves to continue, uh, they will take full, uh, the the, uh, demonic forces will take full advantage. And they're disguising themselves. Don't think that they're showing themselves as demons today. They disguise themselves in a lot of ways as we've already discovered numerous times in the scriptures that we've studied, they disguise themselves as religious rules. They disguise themselves as good. They disguise themselves as light. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says in verse 12 to 15, And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission... They work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond with their deeds. this disguise that you're going to have to find and see. And the only way you'll see it is when God reveals it by his spirit in your life. It looks like, for a lot of, to a lot of people, it looks like, for instance, the things that we believe and teach from the scripture that are truth, unquestionable, that a lot of what we do in practice is not, is not truth. And the reason why it doesn't look like truth is because what they're walking in is not truth. And they've been doing it for years. That's what happened in Jesus' day. He walks into a synagogue where all this, these laws have been taught that are not based on the truth. They're not truth. It's false teaching. And Paul says, I'm going to continue to, to reveal that because Satan disguises himself. And so do these false teachers. They disguise themselves as angels of light. And so don't expect that, that, that what you're looking for is some uh, devil with horns who is going to growl at you uh, and you'll re- realize he's here. Oh, he, Glenn's right. See, I see him. There you are. You know, I hear this growling noise. Is that you or is that a demon? No, it's going to look like a preacher. 
standing behind a, a stand preaching a message. That's what it looks like. It's going to look like you getting in your Bible for the first time and being impressed with yourself instead of letting God speak to you and change your heart. It's going to be any spiritual thing that you do. He disguises himself as an angel of light. But look also, there's no question that Jesus has power over demons. I want us to see that. They know it and he shows it. Verse 34, Jesus rebuked them saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. I like the fact that Luke, the doctor, wants us to know he was not harmed. No disciples were harmed in the making of this parable. All right? But look at it. He speaks truth, and darkness is revealed, first of all. Here's Jesus' encounter with this man. He speaks truth, and darkness is revealed. But then on the heels of that, he reveals the fact that he has this demon on a leash because the demon has to ask him what his fate is because he knows that whatever Jesus says, he must do. And then when he comes to the man, this is what he does. First of all, he shuts him up. Some of y'all need to pray for Jesus to shut up the voice of the demon that's constantly speaking in your head. You need to ask Jesus to shut the demon up. That sounded almost charismatic. But you need to do it. I mean, this is biblical, right? What does Jesus do? The first thing he does is he shuts the demon up. There's all kinds of teachings, all kinds of different things the commentaries said about that. Some people think that, and it could be, that Jesus shut him up because he didn't want people to know that he was the Messiah. Because they're in the synagogue in, in, in Capernaum, and he's, you know, he's shouting this out. But they already shouted out. They cried out, saying, you're the son of God. You know, it's like he didn't want to be connected with the demons. And then people would say, okay, see, the demons are the ones saying he's the son of God. Obviously, that wasn't the case because he had already said that. I believe Jesus shut this demon's voice up because he didn't want him speaking anymore and deceiving people anymore. He, didn't, he, he wanted to show him, I got power. Uh, he wanted to show the people. I got power over demons. When I tell them to shut up, they shut up. And some of you have these voices in your head, and they're over and over again telling you how worthless you are, how guilty you are, how you should be ashamed of yourself, how you're not loved by God, how God's not going to take care of you. All the things that we've been studying that the Scripture and the the Gospels say that Jesus is, that he revealed in his character in relationships to people, that he made it very clear through his life is who God is, We hear this voice telling us over and over again, he is not that. He is not that. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Y'all with me? And so, you know, when God says to to Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit of this, for when you eat it, you will die. What does Satan say? You will not surely die. He's always lying to us. And he's clever because he uses the Bible to do it. It's not the first time he's done that. When Jesus faces his temptation, Satan uses scripture to try and deceive the son of God. But Jesus shuts him up too. And Jesus will shut up that voice in your head. Ask him to do it. Beg him to do it over and over again until it's gone. Ask Jesus to remove that voice, to shut that voice up for you and then allow him to do it. Some of us, you know, we wanted to shut up, but we, we really like the voice of that demon. We've kind of gotten used to it. It's kind of a, a, a calming thing, even at the same time that, it's, that we hate the result. But quit whining and just ask Jesus to take that out of your life. He shuts him up, first of all. And then he removes the demon completely. Now, I don't think anybody here is possessed by a demon. But he has the power to take a demon out of your life. And I love that because I think in, today, in today's world we see... In movies, this this struggle between religious people are God and demonic forces, and it's presented as if they're on an equal level. It's like, you know, the, the priest is really, really trying hard to get that demon out, and then he ends up getting possessed by it. And we get this picture of demonic forces like they're equal to God. Let me, let me just make this clear for you, okay, because it's clear in the story. Jesus says, come out of him, and the demon comes out. That's what happens. And you don't need a man to do that. Jesus does that. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. First of all, you can't be possessed by a demon if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That doesn't happen. But the Holy Spirit casts him out, gets him away. He's, he's out. 
There is no equal power. When Jesus is around, demons are totally submissive to what he says. So he shuts him up, and then he casts him out, and then he protects the man from injury, right? Demon tries to apparently hurt the man, throws him down. I mean, Luke makes it clear to us that God protected him and didn't allow him to be harmed when that happened. So this is violent activity that goes on when this man, when this demon is cast out, but God protects him as well. And I just want you to know that there's no reason for us to fear demonic forces. They are at work and they are real. But when, when Jesus takes care of business, he takes care of business. He has demons on a leash and he is, and he does, they do only his bidding. And then the last thing about this story is that people were blown away by the fact that Jesus could command this demonic force. First of all, the man who is freed from the demon. Let's not forget about him because he is the focus of Jesus' attention in this moment. And you are the focus of Jesus' attention in this moment. It's enough for him today that if everybody else in the, in the congregation has been distracted and only heard my words and not heard the word of God, and you have heard it, and, and God has made it personal for you, it's enough to Jesus that you heard that and that you would get free uh, from that and realize the power that Jesus has over the demonic forces and walk in that. It's enough. But, and that man was freed up. Can you imagine being possessed by a demon, not having control? And we'll look at some more demonic, we'll look at least the, the demoniac, uh, gathering demoniac later on and talk more about demon possession. But in this case, just the, that the man that was bound by that is now free. And you guys have had, some of you have had that same bondage over and over again, that same voice over and over again, and you just need to be free. You need to be free from that. And it's, I can't tell you what it's going to mean for you when you make a choice and it's all it takes because Jesus has already won the victory. He's already present in your life to just not let those voices be heard, to walk in his plan for your life instead of Satan's plan to ruin your life. I can't tell you the freedom that you're going to experience because I don't know what it's going to look like for you, to be honest, but I know it's going to be good. But they were all amazed. In verse 36 and 37 it says, And they were all amazed and said to one another, They were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And here's verse 37. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Again, man, there seems to be a common thought that evil is equal to God and it's not. And here's what's going to happen for us. Y'all with me for this last point? Here's what's true for us. Man, I'm praying for this every day, that we're going to get, we're going to realize who Christ is in us. We're going to realize who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to begin to walk in that. And the people around us are going to be astonished, not at us. They're going to be astonished at him. And they may mock us, and they may, you know, because they don't understand, uh, they, they're not going to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and how we are just loving God and how we're not thrown off by all their uh, all those distractions that we've been thrown off by all of our lives. But ultimately, they're going to have to deal with the reality that we just love God and God loves us and watch how he takes care of us and watch how he, he causes us to, to react to ridicule and life problems and struggles like Aaron's great testimony a couple of weeks ago, you know, coming in here and saying, man, God is faithful. You know, and just the story of a man who was on the brink of death and is now recovering and seeing God in, with with new with brand new eyes. That 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 blows people's minds, and God wants that. We're reading today the story of Ezekiel and the dry uh, the dry bones when those bones came to life, and he prophesied. Ezekiel prophesied a day, and today is that day when the nations would be drawn to God because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, bringing life to us, taking away those, those, that staph infection that lies on our skin and, and, and completing us and causing us to, to have full and meaningful and joyful and contented lives. Man, everybody wants that, and we have the power to live it. 
So I want us to all recognize today that whatever you've been thinking about demons and demonic forces, when we look at Jesus and his, his interaction with the religious people in the synagogue and particularly with this man, we find that Jesus has power over demons. And we can rejoice in that today and walk in it. And I pray that you will, that this will be more than just words from your pastor, but it will be a word from God about what you're experiencing, and you'll make application. So let's pray together for that. Lord, there's no surprise to us, to our minds, about what we've heard today. We know that you had power when you walked the earth over demons and demonic forces and Satan himself. But, Father, I pray today that this story will find its place in each life and in our hearts, that we will see our own demons, those that have taken up comfortable residence in the things that we do that are spiritual, even today in this church. And, Father, that we would ask the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives, removing those voices and their effect on us. Lord, that that we would be able to walk in freedom, that we would agree to have ourselves cleansed today by the Holy Spirit, believing and understanding that we can trust you to remove that from our lives because it's who you are. Lord, I pray that you have touched hearts that would say today that They desire to be free and that you would help us to recognize the enemy's voice as even now he speaks into our ears and says, you're not, you're not in bondage. You're not in bondage. It's okay. You're okay. But Father, that we would see, yes, we, though we are perfect in your eyes because of Christ, Lord, that we would see the reality of the bondage that we still walk in. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would rebuke those demons that are working in our minds even in this moment. Help us to see the truth about our condition. Thank you that you speak truth and darkness is revealed. Thank you that you have demons on a leash and they have to ask you what their fate is because they don't know. But thank you also that you give us a choice in the matter that we can can choose, Lord, to walk with you. And I pray for good choices today as we worship you. In Jesus' name.